Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, thanks for listening to the Big Talker Podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Burke Allen here from the home studio in Washington, D.C., like everybody else, sheltering in place as we make it through the COVID-19 pandemic. And we're going to talk to an expert about what you should be doing to keep yourself healthy during this time. Sydney Ross Singer is our guest, and we'll get to him in just a minute. The uh, Big Talker podcast is a service of our friends at Speaker Match and SpeakerMatch.com, the United States' largest online speakers bureau. And as you move your uh, meetings inside, uh, into everyone's homes and you do virtual meetings, that's a whole new frontier for an awful lot of folks. And Speaker Match can guide meeting planners through that process. Visit them online at speakermatch.com. Sydney Ross Singer is a medical anthropologist, researcher, author of a bunch of groundbreaking books on culture and disease, and director of the Institute for the Study of Cultural Genetic Disease. He's done a lot of research on the health problems caused by the way people sleep, the way they dress, Lots of other things. He's been around for a long time. Always interesting, always controversial. Sydney Ross Singer. Let's see if we can get you on the program and bring you in. Hey, Sydney, can you hear me? Phone. Hello. Hey, Sydney, are you there? I'm. I, I'm trying to be here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, let me ask you: How are you doing? And is everyone in your world healthy and safe? Uh, yes, we all are. I was trying to connect on, on the computer, but I'm on my phone. I'm not sure if the audio is going to be very good. Um, are we live right now? We are, and you sound fantastic. And, uh, you know, you're like okay. millions of other Americans. You're trying to scramble and figure things out these days with the Internet being uh, <laughs> a little bit overburdened as we all work from home. I'm happy to have you on the telephone to talk with you today. Where in the country are you calling in from? Actually, I'm calling in from Oregon. Um, I was, it's, it's really it kind of, um, ironic that I'm in Oregon. We left, I used to live in Hawaii and we actually moved to Hawaii over 20 years ago for situations just like this. We, we lived in a remote place where we were off the grid, had our own solar and water and our animals and our, our farm and garden. And we were ready for an emergency. Um, and felt that that was lifestyle that could help sustain that. And then in 2018, as you know, there was a big volcanic eruption uh, on the Big Island, and that's right. It was really close to where we lived, and made life untenable there. So we uh, we we found homes for the animals, and um, and we had to evacuate, and we. I came to Oregon and decided to, to, we just had enough with volcanoes. That was the second major eruption we had to deal with in the last five years. So here we are in Oregon um, near Eugene and in a rural farm area, um, reliant on grocery stores like everybody else. And it's just sort of funny because this is, this is exactly what we were prepping for. And now we're, we're um, just hoping that our food lasts like everybody and, and uh, doing the best we all can. Sydney Ross Singer is our guest today on the Big Talker podcast. If you'd like to be a part of the show, the number to call is 516-418-5635. Sydney, you've been around a long time. You and I have spoken before. You've written a bunch <laughs> of books, and, and you have some, some very interesting, somewhat controversial 
things in your background, but I really want to focus in today uh, as a medical anthropologist and researcher as to what what you might have put together, uh, because I saw you did a white paper recently, in terms of, of critical information that people can really use to fight this pandemic. So so let's start with that. You know, it's pretty widely known mm-hmm. that COVID-19 affects the lungs and breathing. Um, and I wonder if the way we sleep could be affected uh, or, or, you know, COVID-19 could, could be, uh, your susceptibility might be altered if you change the way you sleep. Yes, and that's one of the things we've studied over the years. Um, uh, people, well, we all know when you go to a hospital, the hospital beds are, are adjustable. And right. if you see people trying to breathe easier in a hospital bed, they, they raise the head of the bed. And uh, that's, that's, it's, it happens to be known that uh, head of bed elevation, which is like the more technical term for that, where you raise the, the middle of the bed to the head. Not, not, you can make a full incline, but usually with an adjustable bed, for example, you can raise the head. From 20 to 30 degrees is actually uh, NASA researchers have determined that that's optimal for brain circulation and for heart and lung circulation. So it's actually um, very healthy, and we did research on that um, 20 years ago where we had migraineurs, uh, people with migraines, chronic sufferers, we had them raise the head of their bed and it, it helped with their migraines. More than half of them, they stopped having migraines. And uh, we came up with a whole new theory for understanding migraines that it, it's um, uh, the, the, well, let me, let me say uh, back up a little and, and say, it's not just migraines. It's also, there are studies that have already been done on, sleep apnea, improving when you raise the head of your bed. Um, people do that for hiatal hernias and for indigestion. And uh, some people use a wedge that doctors prescribe. You put the wedge on the top of your bed and sleep on that. Um, and the other thing is, if it, when you raise the head of your bed, you make it easier to breathe because your abdomen uh, is not pushing right into your diaphragm. And uh, in fact, heavy people you know, very, very overweight people, they, they have trouble breathing because of the weight of their belly into the, the, um, the diaphragm. When you inhale, it has to uh, contract and move into the abdomen. So when you have a lot of abdominal pressure, it makes it hard to breathe. Like if someone squeezed you around the stomach, you, you can't breathe. Sure. So when you raise your bed, it, 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 your Gravity is the issue here. Gravity helps pull your intestines down. It makes it easier to breathe. So um, we think it'd be really good for people to, while you're at home, you should be doing this anyway. And we encourage things called self-studies. See, what, we, what I study as a medical anthropologist um, is the way, the way our culture makes us sick. You know, anthropologists don't typically study that. We pioneered this field of understanding how our culture makes us sick, and that's what culturogenic disease is. And um, the way we sleep is one of those cultural things. Uh, if you look at the way sleeping is advertised, people are typically shown in our culture sleeping flat on the bed, uh, usually on the side. And right. the thing is, when you're, when you're flat, you don't have the benefits of gravity to help drain your head. And... Um, so, because what's happening is your heart, when you're standing vertical, our relationship with gravity is different than when you're horizontal. So when you're standing vertically, standing upright, your heart is below your head 
and as it pumps blood to your brain and head and face and everything, it's, uh, it's pumping against gravity. And gravity, so it's resisting the pressure of the heartbeat. And then once it gets into the brain and does its circulation and then comes back down the veins, uh, gravity assists that and it pulls it down because we're always in this gravity field. Now suddenly you lie down and what happens is gravity is no longer assisting or resisting the blood circulation to the head because the heart and head are pretty much on the same level. So the heart pumps right into the head and yeah, you actually can get a stroke at those times. You, you feel the pressure in your head. Your blood, your vessels will, blood vessels will stick out in your neck when you lie down flat. And you actually, they simulate zero gravity in space. Researchers who study space medicine, they simulate zero gravity by having people lie flat on, on a bed on Earth. So you, you get also fluid shifts to the head. It's known to do that in zero gravity. And astronauts have this problem. They get brain pressure and, and glaucoma and migraines and, um, and sleep apnea problems and ear problems. The, you, your head just gets congested with fluid. And when we lie down at night, when you get up in the morning, if you're groggy uh, in your head, your sinuses are congested, your eyes are puffy. If you're leaning on an ear and you're side sleeping, you're compressing that ear and the eye that's down, and that actually changes the, the structures in your body, pressure, constant um, tension on the body changes, its, uh, changes the anatomy. I mean, think about braces on teeth. With very little pressure, you can move teeth inside your face when, when they're attached, you know. So little pressure, and we spend a third of our lives in bed, eight hours a day on the average, leaning on our bodies and compressing it and changing the gravity relationship by lying down. And what we theorized with that, and we tested it, was that when people get migraines, what happens is your brain, actually, your blood vessels in your, your neck open up, and your brain gets extreme pressure to flush out the fluid that's there. And that's how we, we conceptualize what's really going on. A migraine is like a brain flush when you're lying too flat, and your brain isn't getting the proper circulation. It's low in oxygen. It's low in sugar. It's not getting the right nutrition. And then in the morning, if, if you've done this chronically and you start, the brain as a defense mechanism needs fresh blood. And the only way to get it is by pumping it in there. So you get this migraine. And we had people raise their beds at night and they didn't get migraines anymore. We also then found out, and some of them even said, you know, this is amazing because when I raised my bed for my hiatal hernia that my doctor gave me, you know, for acid reflux, things like that, because the stomach, you know, you, you don't want it on the same level as your head because then it'll back up into your, into your throat, up the esophagus. So you, if your head is higher than your belly, which would be with like a, a slight incline, then it keeps the stomach contents lower and it keeps them from, from refluxing up. So doctors already prescribed that. And some people realize that, gee, you know, now that I think about it, my migraines went away while I was using that. So this is back in, in like 2000. So we did a migraine relief project. And then we realized it also works for sleep apnea. They've already studied this for sleep apnea. It works. Um, we think the end disease is actually Alzheimer's because in an Alzheimer's brain, there's a lot of pressure and the ventricles are, are expanded in the brain, which are the cavities in the brain that hold cerebral spinal fluid that comes out of your bloodstream under pressure. So what we do is that's the way the brain circulates. So people with Alzheimer's actually seem to have had chronic brain pressure and congestion. And in fact, they even give them shunts to let the fluid drain from the brain to lower the pressure. And that as a treatment, um, it, it, they don't think our culture hasn't thought about the bed situation because we take it for granted. That's the things that we study is 
things that people take so for granted. So what we recommend is it'll help you breathe easier now. And if, if you're in a hospital, they'll do it too. I mean, you raise the head of your bed right now, tonight, and, and, and there are ways of doing it. I described these in an article I wrote, but let me describe them now. Should I continue? Sure. Or do you? Absolutely. Okay. And, uh, and I do want to ask you, though, Sydney, you talk about mm-hmm. this, and this all makes perfect logical sense. This would be, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're the expert, I'm the interviewer, but this would be things that you can do to minimize or lessen the chances that you're going to catch this thing, you know, when you're out at the grocery store, when you have to stock up, if you can keep your airways right. open by elevating. Is that right? Well, it, it not necessarily catch it, but it'll certainly allow you to breathe easier. And if people are getting, if you get a cold or a flu or COVID-19 or whatever, these are respiratory things. You want to be able to breathe the best you can. And the first thing you would do is raise your bed. So I'm suggesting do it now, and you'll feel the difference in the morning. I mean, this is a fast self-study you can do, and I'll tell you how to do it. And everyone should do this pretty much to prevent any, everything. All these diseases, there's so many problems, migraines, Alzheimer's, stroke, glaucoma, which is eye pressure. They actually treat glaucoma by people raising the head of their bed. Your eye pressure is highest in the morning when you wake up because you've been down all night. And, you know, you raise the head of your bed and the pressure doesn't go there. People have gotten off of glaucoma medicine by raising the head of their bed. A simple, cost-free intervention. Uh, sleep uh, impotence, we think, could be related to this, too, actually. And ADHD. Now you've got my attention. Now you've got my <laughs> <laughs> No, No, Sydney, but if you don't have an adjustable bed, how do you do that? Are you talking about a few extra pillows? Is there a, something we can no. all do without a, a trip to a crowded Target or Walmart? Oh, absolutely. In fact, do not use two pillows uh, because when you use two pillows, you actually make your neck tilt forward, your head's tilting so far forward, your chin can even touch your throat, I mean your chest. When you have that position, it actually cuts off brain circulation. Your muscles and your neck impinge the veins coming down. So you increase brain pressure. They've studied these things, by the way. Your brain pressure is highest when you're, if, when you're on your belly and your head is to the side, uh, you're cutting off all sorts of circulation drainage, which is lower pressure than the supply. The supply is coming from the heart. So the blood pressurizes your head, but you t- you're, you're basically crimping your, your blood vessels on the way down, so your, pra- your brain gets a lot of pressure. So people's belly sleeping with their heads to the side, um, and also one nostril is usually in the bed, uh, in, into the pillow, rather, uh, an eye is leaning in there, and uh, I can actually look at a person's face, and I can tell you what side of the bed they sleep on, what side of their face they sleep on, because if you look at a facial asymmetry, the reason our faces are not symmetrical, one, one major reason, is the way we sleep. You could see the nose bending away from, from the side that you sleep on. So if you look in the mirror and your nose is bending to the left, then that means you're sleeping on your right. And because it, it pushes the nose, the pillow is pushing your nose over. You do that every day for eight hours. Guess what's going to happen to the, to the shape of your nose? The same thing happens with your face. If you look at a smile and it's asymmetric, it'll, usually, it'll be the same thing because you're, just, you're compressing one part of the face more than the other. Most people are not like 50-50 on the way they sleep. They have a preferred side. The best way to sleep, and also another problem with sleeping on your belly, you can't expand your ribs and breathe deeply. So you're having very shallow breathing with one nostril and your head's getting pressurized and, and, and your, 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 um, 
your abdomen is you're leaning on your belly. So if you're, you know, whatever pressure you're putting on your belly is pushing right up into your thoracic cavity. I mean, it's the, the diaphragm will not be able to as easily breathe and open up into a belly that's got all that pressure of your body leaning on it. If you lean on your sides, you can end up making your arm fall asleep and, and uh, from the compression and it's actually all your internal organs are even leaning uh, on each other. The best way to sleep is on your back, elevated. On your back, not elevated is uncomfortable. On your back, elevated is ideal. There's nothing on your back to worry about compressing because it's all just muscle. And your head should be straight forward so you're not leaning on your ears. Uh, this causes ear infections in kids because they lean on one side. They're leaning on the ear. It doesn't get good circulation, and it starts to get infected. gets congested and infected. Um, eyes, we give ourselves uh, – when, when a person is a side sleeper leaning on, like, their right eye, they sleep on their right side, that eye is usually – a worse eye in vision than the other eye. And it often has astigmatism, which is a change in the actual orbit of the eye because you're leaning on it. In fact, your whole skull shape is affected by the way you sleep. In the West, we, we have this cultural thing of sleeping on the side and we put our babies on their sides. And as a result, um, we have almond-shaped heads. But in Eastern cultures, they sleep their kids on their back and that's why they often have round heads with a little flat area on the back of their head. And, and, and with sudden infant death syndrome, the recommendation was to put the baby on their back. And you should also elevate a little bit like in a crib, you know, a little uh, one of those carrier things that your kids, the babies and their heads are up. And, you know, that's a healthy way to be on your back with your head up like you would be in a reclining chair. And that's so what are the other solutions you have? If you don't have an adjustable bed, and by the way, they're becoming much more popular now but, and, right. and cheaper. If you don't have one, though, these are the things you can do. One, you can sleep in your recliner if you have a lazy boy type recliner, you know, with the legs. Your legs want to be a little elevated because they've been down all day. And they get, if you have, you have any swelling in the feet, at the end of the day, you take your shoes off and your foot or, feet are all puffy. And that's from gravity all day pulling down. So your head is actually a little, a little less fluid pressure during, at the end of the day from standing, and your feet have more pressure. When you lie down, your head gets repressurized, but you don't want it to get so pressurized. You have to have it elevated to improve the circulation. So gravity assists the drainage, and you have a flow going on. In the meantime, your feet, if they're elevated a little bit, um, especially if you're older, you probably would like your feet elevated a bit, and that helps with feet circulation. So the ideal position you're looking for is an adjustable bed where the feet are up a little and the head is up about 15 to 30 degrees. I mean, you, you have your own preferences and you got to just feel it. And if you want to simulate that in a, a recliner, you can do that too. But recliners have bad low back support. So you might have to put a pillow on behind your, in, in the area where the back meets the seat. So you support your back, but that's, a, and a lot of older people fall asleep in their lazy boys. I mean, that's like, a lot of people do because it's very comfortable. The other thing you can do, yeah, another simple thing if you don't have that is if you have a regular bed with four feet on it, like a bed frame, regular bed frame, go get some blocks or books or something. This is a good use for old uh, phone books, you know. Uh, put them under the head of the bed to make an incline plane. And you'd want to do that about 8 to 12 inches. And you'll feel, you don't want to do it more than that because you'll start sliding down. 
And to stop yourself from sliding on the incline, you could put a pillow underneath your buttocks. And I would suggest putting another pillow underneath your feet so your feet get a little more elevation and they're not totally down on the full incline. So you'd want, that's where you'd put extra pillows, a pillow under your butt and your knees bent a little bit so you could put pillows under your feet and then your head is elevated. So the lowest part of your body should be like your buttocks. And that's an easy way to do it. Another way is um, you could sleep in a hammock. That's actually a traditional way that cultures have slept. Orangutan sleep in hammocks, um, you know, where your head is up and your feet are up. So that's another option for some people. Um, so you get the idea. You, you, could, uh, you just want to get your head up to improve the circulation. And if you try that tonight, I, I guarantee you will feel a difference tomorrow that you can confirm whether this is working for you. I'm sure you'll feel less congested, brighter-minded. You, you will be more alert. You'll eventually find that you don't even need to sleep as much. I mean, people who congest their heads, they can't get up in the morning. They're so groggy. They sleep 12 hours a day. I've had, I could tell you so many anecdotal stories of people with these problems, including children with behavioral problems, sleeping 12 hours a day, lethargic, can't get them up. And then this was in a, a, a family, what I'm thinking of, the child used to fall asleep in a lazy boy, and then they'd take the kid and put him in bed flat. I said, leave, him in, leave the person, in the, the child in the recliner. And what happened was they ended up sleeping eight hours a night very quickly. Their whole attitude improved in school and everything. It's like they were able to suddenly be themselves. When you're congested in the brain, your central nervous system has low oxygen, low sugar, and isn't functioning properly and there's the pre the brain has like like edema it has it has it's it's uh, filled with fluid which prevents the cells from getting proper nutrition and from eliminating waste effectively it's like it's it's a bad circulation congestion issue in your brain and then if you just raise your bed you won't have so many of those effects um, and if you do it young enough you won't even develop like the baggy eyes that we get is from the pressure in our face and, and then the sinuses, this is, your whole head is pressurized. So when you raise a, a, about 20 to 30 degrees is considered optimal, but some people feel really good at 10 degrees and just do it on, you know, experiment and uh, just try to stay on your back as much as you can. If you roll to your side or whatever, that's fine. When you, when you re realize what you've done, try to go back on your back. Don't, don't stay on your side in the middle of the night. If you wake up, I'm on my side. Try to retrain yourself. You can. Once you see the effects of this, you'll want to. And even if you're a side sleeper with your head elevated, it'll be better for you. Try not to be a belly sleeper. And, you know, if they, I'll, I'll tell you, if they would, when we get statistics on people with pneumonia, it would be so good if they would look into the lifestyle links to these things like sleep position and ask them, how are you sleeping? How do you sleep? Are you a belly sleeper, a back sleeper? Do you elevate? Are you flat? Uh, you know, those types of things. It would, I bet you we would correlate, show the connection between sleep position and the incidence of pneumonia. So by doing this, you're improving your chances of having proper lung circulation, proper oxygenation, because that's what it's all about. When your lungs are filled with fluid, they don't oxygenate properly. When you have, you know, that's what they're saying with these people that come in with low oxygen saturation in their blood. And that's because they can't get the oxygen. Their cells, their, their alveoli in the, uh, which are the, the airway um, exchange uh, sacs that are tiny inside your lungs, they have fluid in them, and then the, ox the oxygen can't get through from the air easily through the fluid. It, it creates more of a barrier to breathing. So we end up suffocating 
because we can't get the, the oxygen into our lungs, they're filled with fluid. We can't get the carbon dioxide out either and it becomes, you know, that, that kills you. So by having better oxygenation, which is going to be achieved by sleeping properly, um, you know, you, you shouldn't even get a pneumonia. Now, once you get a pneumonia, uh, you know, you have to listen to medical advice. This is lifestyle advice for preventing um, these types of diseases uh, of respiratory, improving your ability to breathe. And most likely, as I said, if you see anybody in these hospitals on dealing with any respiratory things, they typically have them elevated. They elevate the head of the bed. So um, that's typical medical advice. So anyway, um, I could pivot now, to... Sydney, you had also you mentioned, you, you said uh, in the white paper, there were two simple lifestyle changes um, to, to the way you sleep and also the way you dress. Now, I, I wanted right. to really get into the sleep piece because that makes perfect sense to me. The dress thing, you may need to do a little convincing. Unfortunately, we only have a couple of minutes. So tell me what you're thinking about the way you dress to help get in front of COVID-19 okay. and other respiratory things. Well, one of the things we're very much known for, which you might have been referring to with controversy, is our dis- our discovery, and uh, which really is an our only discovery, it's been known for years, of the link between breast cancer and bras. I mean, they've known about that since the 1930s. We have, uh, we've written the book, Dress to Kill, the link between breast cancer and bras, about our research in 1995 that's, uh, that was, it, it started a revolution. Now, if you notice, being bra-free is much more acceptable. Women are asking why they have to wear them in the first place. They want equality to men and, and feel that they shouldn't have to constrict and their breasts with bras and interfere with, that's, that's what's going on. Bras are tight, and they interfere with breast circulation, and that causes uh, fluid accumulation, toxin accumulation, pain, cysts, and ultimately cancer. And we've done a study on that that basically showed that bra-free women have about the same rate of breast cancer as men, but the longer and tighter you wear a bra, the higher your risk rises to over 100 times higher for a woman who sleeps in her bra 24-7 compared to a bra-free woman. And we've done a study that we're ongoing right now called the International Bra-Free Study where women get rid of their bras and we see what happens. Uh, what, life, what this lifestyle change does, we expect they'll have lower breast cancer rates, but we also have found other things like Besides their pain and cysts going away, their breasts, and these women are telling us this, and this has been also researched and shown, verified in other ways, their breasts lift in tone because the fluid that's been congesting the breast from the constriction from the bra, you know, it, it causes lymphedema, it prevents the lymphatics from flushing. Um, that fluid goes away when you stop wearing the bra, so your breasts actually aren't as congested and heavy and swollen. And then uh, you don't realize they're swollen until you do this, by the way. And then they, they, um, the breasts retain, regain uh, ligament strength and they can support themselves better. So bras create a dependence that makes the breasts droopy. So when women get rid of the bra, their breasts tone and firm and everything. But another thing that happens related to this is yes. that they breathe easier. Every woman that takes off a bra will tell you, I can breathe easier. And research has shown for the last 20 years, they've been, they know when you put a, a bra on a woman, it actually constricts her breathing. I mean, you have a tight band around your, your, your chest. You can't breathe in as deeply or as comfortably, and it actually it hampers your breathing. And it also affects your autonomic nervous system. It lowers body temperature. It lowers melatonin. It, does all, it affects digestion and menstruation negatively when you wear anything tight around your chest or waist. So they've, they've studied this specifically, and I, I can tell you, if a woman is wearing a bra at home, 
I mean, one of the women typically don't anymore. I mean, they say when I get home from work, the first thing I rip off is my bra. So this is saying while you're home and other, I've seen articles coming out, by the way, Huffington Post in Canada saying, don't wear a bra while you're at home. You let your breasts rest. And actually this is a great self-study because you will breathe easier. So again, besides this preventing breast pain and discomfort and back aches and all those things associated with bras, then you get rid of, you'll see a difference on yourself. And at the same time, you will breathe better. And there's absolutely no purpose for a bra. They don't prevent droop. They cause droop. They're only for fashion. And women have been saying no to them now um, to the point that bra companies are really suffering. I mean, um, look at uh, Victoria's Secret. I mean, they've, their whole model of sexualizing the breast has been scrutinized now with the Me Too movement that women are saying we're not sex objects. We don't want to be uncomfortable all day in bras and have our, our breast cancer rates increase as a result of constricting our breasts. We want to be comfortable and women are going to work without bras now and it's acceptable. In fact, laws have been now passing. They cannot discriminate against you for not wearing a bra. If men don't have to wear it, women don't have to. But when you're at home, you certainly don't have to. So you can breathe easier by getting rid of the bra and raise your bed. And these are simple things. You can feel them on yourself. There's no risk. And this is the time to experiment with healthy lifestyles. I appreciate it. A couple of really actionable, usable things that you can do from home. Sydney Ross Singer, our guest today on the Big Talker podcast, brought to you by SpeakerMatch.com. And uh, we'll put a link to Sydney so you can get to him right here on our homepage. Thank you so much for listening. Wherever you are, stay safe. Take care of one another. God bless you. Bye, everybody.